1: of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone.
2: Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walantowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Romanovs. So grab your Rasputin and let's get civical. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) What's going on, say? Tell us. There's literally... It's so funny because I can't even articulate what's going on. For the listeners who are listening, this is going to come out after... My wedding is over, but uh-huh. as we're recording this, my wedding is 11 days away, 10 days away. Mm-hmm. And I can't recommend planning a wedding less. It is so bad <laughs> for your health. Oh, my God. I really yeah, did not know where we you were going with that. I really can't recommend not getting married enough. <laughs> and it's not No, it's like I want to get married. I want to get married to Kyle, but this whole... This whole song and dance, yeah, I can't. It's Mm -hmm. like every day there's a new thing that Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll stress about that now. Uh huh. Do you have like a helper, like a not a wedding planner,
1: but like a like a helper person?
2: No. I mean, I have Kyle. Lol. I do. I mean, I do have a like a day of coordinator who like oh yeah, that's right that's right yeah 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 but. Basically, it's like I have to plan the whole thing and then like hand it over to her to execute. Right. And like, mind you, I come from a project management background. I come from a producer background. Yes. Like I have the capacity to handle this and I am handling it. A hundred percent. But I'm also like, this feels like work. Oh, (laughs) it is. It's like work. It's so much work.
1: No, no. The saying, I do, and I love you, and I'll take care of you, and you take care of me, and blah, blah, blah. That's the love part. This is the bullshit we're throwing a big party for our friends.
2: Oh, my God. Everybody better have. Mark my words. If you don't have the best fucking time you've Uh ever had in your gosh darn Uh life at my wedding, this podcast is over. (laughs) Listen, I have got
1: the dress. My dress is on its way. I've already put the time on my work calendar that says... I am leaving work early. Hashtag Bye. wedding. I am very excited about your wedding. Thank I you. I cannot. Yep. We're. It is happening. It
2: is happening. It is happening. It mm-hmm. It is. And hear me now. It is happening. It is happening. All this to say. All this to say. I'm stressed about the wedding. Uh-huh. Um, I can't. I like. I'm both looking forward to it, but also cannot wait for it to be over. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. It is It is yeah. both those things at one time. Yeah. Anywho, we're obviously not talking about my wedding today. What we are talking about is something I actually don't know, which is a surprise because Arden hasn't sent me the notes, which is something that she does from time to time where she keeps it from me only to surprise me now. So I can't wait to see what you have in store for me today.
1: But I feel like if you thought
2: about it, you would figure this one out. Okay. Should I guess? Go ahead and guess. The only thing I can think of, because we talked about it a couple weeks ago, was doing an episode on the Romanovs. Is it the Romanovs? It's the Romanovs. Oh my gosh. Nasarovnia. Yes. Let's get it. Let's get it. Here we go. <laughs> you know, guys, let me tell you something. Since I can't feel my face, because I'm so stressed out about the fact that I'm getting married in 10 days. Whenever we, one of us gets this way, we give ourselves the gift of just doing an episode on whatever we want. Whatever. Whatever we whatever. want. There is no tie to U.S. history or civics or anything f- with the Romanovs, except that we all... Love the animated film, Anastasia.
1: It is one of the greatest films of all time. and One we of have, the greatest animated films of all time. Of all time. And we've talked about this multiple times on the show, about how it is just utter perfection, this movie. Not just in the animated genre, but... But in general. In general, just one of the best films of all time. And I, like, doing the notes for this, I was like, huh, I, this is where my, like, history of, like, Russian or my knowledge of russian history is like just surface level. I did
2: totally. not know like
1: Catherine the Great was a Romanov.
2: I did not know that. Oh yeah. And it wasn't one of the Romanovs like Alexandra. Yes. Wasn't she like tied to Queen Victoria yes. or something? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's what's it's crazy all, though. It's, all, it's like yeah. all the monarchs mm-hmm. literally web together because yes. they would only marry each other yep. back in the day. Yes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of
1: crossover. There's a lot of crossover. And I had no idea like how the whole killing of the Romanovs went down. Like we're going to we're going to get there and talk about it. It's very Ooh. interesting. I yeah. yeah, I am really excited about this episode. Those okay. these are really fun notes to do.
2: That rocks. Well, let's not keep the people waiting. No. Why don't you tell us about the sources that you used for today's episode? Okay. So
1: obviously we're on the ship with history.com. Of course. There was a great article in USA Today by Claire Mulroy. And then uh, some great information uh, from uh, an independent newspaper called Moscow Times.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Lights up on the Romanovs. Let's start with who were they? Who were the Romanovs? If you don't know, we're going to tell you, because you may not know. You may not have seen the animated film Anastasia, which is how, quite frankly, I would say 98% of American children are introduced to the Romanovs. Romanovs. It's through this film. It's amazing. The Romanov family was the last imperial dynasty to rule Russia. They first came to power in 1613, and over the next Three centuries, 18 Romanovs took the Russian throne, including Peter the Great, Catherine the Great, Alexander the First, and Nicholas the Second. So they're all, which is, they all hold the title, and it's my favorite title mm-hmm. that exists in all of like monarchydom, which is Tsar. Tsar. Mm hmm. It's These great. are the czars and czarinas of oh, Russia. The
1: czarinas. The czarinas.
2: <laughs> the that's Zarina. what they are. There's czarinas. That's, that's so good.
1: I am a czarina. It's so good.
2: It's. I mean, they z- czars and czarinas obviously don't exist like that. It ended here mm-hmm. with the Romanovs. There were no more czars after the Romanovs. During the Russian Revolution of 1917, Bolshevik revolutionaries toppled the monarchy ending the romanov dynasty tsar nicholas ii and his entire family including his young children were later executed by bolshevik troops brutal
1: brutal i mean like really brutal really brutal
2: and i have to say and and everybody if you're going to if you're going to be annoyed that we bring up the hit animated film Anastasia, time and time again on this episode. Stop listening now, right? Because I'm gonna just going to keep, gonna keep happening. it. I'm just going to keep bringing it up. Mm-hmm. But what I have to say, because my biggest gripe about like uh, children's film and media these days is that there is no darkness to it. Mm-hmm. Like there is no danger. It's very like the world is perfect and like everything's, everything's happy. It's very like, be, handholdy. Be, be, be. It's very handholding. If you watch mm-hmm. the first 10 minutes of Anastasia. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Like the Bolsheviks are literally attacking. Mm-hmm. Anastasia is escaping, people hunting down her family. Yep. You, you learn as a kid that her entire family was murdered, murdered by these people yeah. in the first 10 minutes of Anastasia. It's so good. Crazy crazy i digress
1: but let's talk about some early romanovs Did you bring just, it back did you like that transition that was I pretty did. good I was seamless. I was seamless i'm with
2: you i was great i couldn't i got on this zoom being like <laughs> i have nothing to give and now i'm so locked into this episode that this is going to be one of our best it's going to be fucking one of our best. bring it back we
1: should have had some fucking mimosas for this like I, romanovs honestly you, you
2: gotta prepare me for this
1: <laughs> oh my god although maybe that would have been i mean it's been long enough it's been long enough it's been over 100 years it's been we could have had mimosas anyway totally it's been totally long okay so early romanovs so let's talk about peter the great because he was the one who kind of started it all the mm-hmm. romanovs were high-ranking aristocrats in russia during the 16th and 17th centuries in 1613 mikhail romanov became the first romanov czar of russia following a 15-year period of political upheaval after the fall of Russia's medieval Rurik dynasty. He took the name Michael I. Michael I's grandson, Peter I, also known as Peter the Great, transformed Russia from a landlocked state into one of Europe's largest empires.
2: I can't get over the fact that Mikhail Romanov was like, are you guys ready for my name? You may call me Michael.
1: <laughs> like an archangel? Like, that's the only thing I could think of, that he was like, I Mikhail guess, is not that's good a stretch. enough.
2: But I'm like, Mikhail, Mikhail Romanov sounds great. It's Great. It's, it's, lo- and it's also very Russian. It's very so Russian. Like, it's very... Michael. Yes. Michael. You may call me... me
1: Michael. He he was not ready for the dynasty that is Mike Myers. Like, that's the only... He was not aware of
2: that. Totally, totally, totally. Shout out to
1: Michael. OG. OG Michael. Through the wars against the Ottoman Empire and the Empire of Sweden, Russia expanded its territory and became the dominant power in both the Baltic Sea and the Black Sea regions. Peter the First declared himself the emperor of the newly formed Russian Empire in 1721, a position he held until his death in 1725. So Peter the Great doing a lot of work to so make work. Russia like basically kind of the Russia that we know of today. Like the build up the empire.
2: Totally. Really expand. Like a true empire. A true empire. Yeah. Man, imagine putting in all this work. I feel this way about the Louis that built Versailles. Yeah. Putting in all of this work and then you just die four years later. That sucks. It's like man. Yeah. You're bro, like Oh, that sucks. That
1: sucks. You're like, look at all of this, and then you're like, man,
2: tuberculosis. <sighs> the fuck? Bye. Yeah. Bye. That that that's a bummer. That's a bummer. So other early infamous Romanov leaders, we're gonna talk about Catherine the Great. During the reign of Romanov leader Catherine II, also known as Catherine the Great, the Russian Empire grew larger and stronger. The period of Catherine's rule from 1762 to 1796 is often called the Golden Age of the Russian Empire. Shout out to the girls out Mm -hmm. there. Shout out to the girls. 30 years. Take that, Peter. <laughs> uh-huh. Guess who lived? Guess who lived? Guess who lived? Catherine the Great was a sophisticated patron of the arts, and during her reign, Russia adopted Western European philosophies, fashion, and culture. In later years, a campaign by Russian emperor and grandson to Catherine the Great, Alexander I, represented a turning point in the Napoleonic Wars... The French famously invaded Russia in 1812 at the height of Napoleon Bonaparte's power. Alexander I's army defeated the French troops, dealing a major blow to Napoleon's reputation and weakening his leadership over much of Europe. So you have Catherine the Great who comes in. She, like, makes everything amazing. She makes everything glorious. Gloriana to Catherine the Great. (laughs) Russia's thriving. She has fashion. She has books. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She she she's on the the throne, the czar throne for thirty years, reigns reigns reigns. Then what? Twenty years later, we get grandson Alexander the First, who kind of takes up his grandmother's mantle and being a badass uh-huh. and takes down the previously impenetrable Napoleon Bonaparte, yes. who up until that point had been like killing it. it, yeah, killing it, yeah. Left and right, mm-hmm. left and right, until he decided to invade Russia. Yeah, and he was like,
0: "Oh, it's cold. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, it's cold up here. Oh, it's I'm tiny. I'm tiny and tiny and everything." Sorry, I saw
2: the I saw the film Anastasia. I thought this would be really great, but turns I'm out not, bad idea. Eee. I'm not loving this. No. I'm not loving this. So that's Catherine the Great and her grandson Alexander the yes. First.
1: So then let's talk about Tsar Nicholas the Which is the man and the family that we are interested in. Family of the hour. It's the family of the hour. Family of the hour. So Tsar Nicholas II is the father of the family. Tsar Nicholas was the last Romanov emperor, ruling from 1894 until his forced abdication in March of 1917. The duration of his rule was plagued by periods of political and social unrest. When he succeeded his father, Tsar Alexander III... Nicholas II had little experience in government and he was widely seen as politically weak and an indecisive leader. Yikes. Yikes my Not Yikes, great
2: my McGikes. Yikes my I love I love when there are um heirs to thrones mm-hmm. who have no political experience. Right. I'm like you had Were you not it's watching It's like you took the Right, it's not like you took the throne and you were right. eight years old and you had to like figure it out. You you grew you you grew up and were a grown up right when you took over. Like what <laughs> were you not reading? Right, War and Peace. Like what? I <laughs> mean, not doing the homework. <laughs> were, you, were you not present at the like meetings? Did you not I mean, go come to on. the events? Like, Gotta were, get in, rehearsal, right, backdrops good on. show, Nicholas, let's go. Right,
1: like, your dad clearly talked about the thing, like, what, like, were you not paying attention? Yeah. Clearly he was not. His poor handling of the Russo-Japanese War of 1904 to 1905, subsequent 1905 uprising of Russian workers, known as Bloody Sunday, and Russia's involvement in World War One hastened the fall of the Russian Empire. So, mm. it's all starting to come crumbling
2: down one misstep after another. One
1: misstep after another, but also just, like, it's the time of World War One, so a lot of things, like a lot of previously presumed, you know, countries that we thought couldn't fall are... are right. You know, are thing- falling. Are falling. Yeah. Happening all over the place. Tsar Nicholas II married Princess Alex of Hesse in 1894, shortly after his coronation. Alex, which is spelled A-L-I-X, who would later take the name Alexandra, Jesus, my Lord.
2: Are
1: you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> how do you know how to say all these names? And this is the time you- Because I have watched
2: the animated film. Oh my God, but I- Anastasia. Actually, I don't know if Fedorovna is said in there, but... I was like, i something watched this about... movie 18 million times. It's been like 10 <laughs> years, but like... I don't think they say Fedorovna in I... the in the film. Yeah. But there's something about Russian names that to me... Like makes sense. They, they they There's a... There's a... They're like lyrics. There's a lyricalness to them. Yeah. There's like a, a rhythm to them. Yeah. So Fedor, Fedorovna. Fedorovna.
1: Okay, 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 okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, oh, how the turntables have turned. Oh, my Lord. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know what I'm going to put in here? Oregon. Thank you so much. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the state of Oregon. Shout out to the state of Oregon. So Alex, who would later take the name Alexandra Fedorovna. <laughs> you got it. Great. I nailed it. I nailed it. Yeah. Leave this in. Leave
2: it all in. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Are you joking? <laughs> this is my one time I'm shining. <laughs> this is all staying in.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Was a granddaughter of Queen Victoria of the United Kingdom. Nicholas and Alexandra had four daughters, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, and one son, Alexi. <laughs>
2: Alexi, sweet Alexei, mm-hmm. who was ill,
1: ill, ill. Ill, ill, ill. Ill, ill, ill. Which we we do talk about later on. Yeah.
2: Oh, we good? Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll hold it. Yeah. I'll hold the thought.
1: Because there's a whole section on Rasputin, which you do get to do. Oh, perfect.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've talked about previous czars and czarinas over the history, let's talk about who were the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. Kind of two the other, the other side of this conflict. Let's talk about these guys. Yeah. The Bolsheviks, which is Russian for members of the majority, were the more aggressive faction of the Russian Social Democrat Labor Party, pushing for a more militant membership and explicitly endorsed the nationalization of land. After the February Revolution of 1917, as workers across the country organized themselves into political units known as Soviets, the Bolshevik support was more fervent and more widespread than that of the provisional government. So you got, I mean, you got the, the, when the workers get disgruntled in such profound way, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And to be fair, the way that the Romanovs treated the just like... Lower and working class of Russia was shocking. So it's no surprise that they were like, huh, we're going to kill these people. We're going to kill these people because we don't like them. Yeah. 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 As revolution continued to spread throughout Russia following the October Revolution, the Bolsheviks acted quickly. They withdrew Russia from World War I, the stresses of which are often cited as a major cause of the revolution. They also began seizing and redistributing imperial lands by early 1918. So this is after. Yeah. So this is all of this is after the czar has is gone. Yeah. This is what they did post immediately.
1: Yeah. yeah. This is more about like the Bolsheviks and what they wanted because yeah. the Bolsheviks are the ones who kill the Romanovs. But this is just like some background on, on like totally who these people are because.
2: Because you got to know.
1: Yeah. I didn't really know.
2: By early 1918, factories had been turned over to the Soviets Private property had been officially abolished and Russia had become the Russian Soviet Socialist Republic, soon to be the largest constituent republic of the USSR.
1: Back to the USSR.
2: It was a stunning victory Mm -hmm. for people you might've heard of, such as Mm -hmm. Lenin. Lenin, the forces of the Russian Socialism, and Marxists around the world. In keeping with the Marxist axiom that communism would inevitably replace capitalism by means of socialism, the Bolshevik Party rebranded as the Communist Party. Right. So that's kind of like where they started. Yeah. And where they, not really ended, ended but, yeah, like, but got like got to. Yeah, where they got to.
1: Which I think is, when you put it in this context, I think is why people have a little bit of like, bad taste in their mouths about socialism. And they're like, wait a second, but bad things happen when you, like, take things away and try and, like, make them public and, you know, not good things. Right. Not
2: good things. Well, this does feel like one of the most... This is very extreme. This is the biggest exertion of socialism, I think, in our modern history. And, yeah, I don't think that it... Worked how it's supposed to work.
1: You know well, what I mean? Like, there was yeah. a
2: lot of nefarious yeah. undertones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to yes, this.
1: Yes. And, 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 yes. I mean, we can table a discussion on socialism for another day.
2: but. <laughs> Let's nah. do it now. Nah.
1: Um, yeah. Cause I'll, I mean, f- I, it, yeah. It's just whether I feel like forcibly, forcibly changing a country's. Uh, entire structure from one from one form to another, no matter what that form is, is just always problematic because that's I mean that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Sure, you know, like oh, I, I
2: mean, but I will say that, like again, this is why I think the. The USSR, the the formation of the USSR is so interesting, and how I feel like they really fumbled the ball. Mm -hmm. Because we have, we see in other countries across Europe the transition from monarchy to democracy, right? Which again, I mean, bumps in the road, right? But they manage over time to stabilize, and that's you know, we look at we look at France, we look at Spain, we look at these countries that used to be like big. Big monarchy players, and now no monarchies to be found, or no like
1: active, no active, right, 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 no like big decision making monarchies, exactly, right, right, right.
2: But here in this case, the transition from monarchy emperor to socialism. At I mean, I guess it does work in the sense that you have the USSR for, or you have this Bolshevik into USSR regime for. 80 years 90 years you know right but i also think that like what they have now even though it's technically democratic it's not democratic
1: right 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 so it's
2: also we're not even i don't feel like we're at the end of the transition like i feel like now russia's in a new transition so we went from emperor to socialism socialism to whatever the fuck putin is and we are still waiting to see what that is. It almost feels like it's going kind of back to an emperor right. type of. Oh yeah, thing. I mean he totally is. Yeah,
1: totally. Just under a different so, name, yeah. and it's he just really... keeps switching positions, right between whatever the like the president, and the prime minister. You know, like he's just yeah, he just keeps bouncing back and forth. So it's like yeah, it's just a different name.
2: Just a different name. Yeah. So, anyways, it's a very interesting kind of like uh thing to examine, but I don't think that we're at the end of it. No. All that to say, those are the Bolsheviks. Those are the Bolsheviks. Led by Lenin. Led by Lenin. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened to
1: the Romanov family. Ooh. Yeah. This is where things get, this is where yikes, things get my yikes, my gikes. Yikes, my gikes. This is all coming from the Moscow Times. So on July 17th, 1918, Tsar Nicholas II, his family, and those who accompanied him in imprisonment were executed by Bolshevik agents with gunshots and bayonets, At the Yibitiv house in Yekaterinburg. By then, Nicholas was no longer a monarch. He had abdicated his throne in favor of his brother, Grand Duke Michael Alexandrovich. But his brother declined the crown and ended the 300-year Romanov dynasty. I mean, I wouldn't want that shit either. These guys come in, they're like, "Uh, we're going to take your brother and his entire family. Do you want to rule? Do you want to rule?
2: Yeah, and he's like, like, no, "No, guy. No, I did I'm good. I'm good. I'm
1: good. I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) go out in the country and, like, read books. You cool? Totally. You cool? Leave me alone. Leave me be. Leave me be. In March of 1917, Nicholas joined his family under house arrest at Tsarskisselo. The family was then moved to the former governor's mansion in Tobolsk by the provisional government that replaced the monarchy. Their living conditions deteriorated when the Bolsheviks came to power and moved the family to the Yebatiev house in Yekaterinburg. They were strictly supervised by 300 guards, confined to total isolation, and placed on soldiers' rations, which meant no butter or coffee.
2: <laughs> what a what a thing to specify. I know. Just in case you're wondering what a soldiers', soldier's ration is, no butter or no coffee. Butter or coffee.
1: Their windows were sealed and painted over as higher and higher walls were built around the building. The commanding officers could access any of the family's rooms at any time and force the prisoners to ring a bell to use the lavatory. The family was not permitted contact with the outside world through letters or newspapers. Throughout the Civil War in 1918, the Bolsheviks grew worried that the White Army would seize the Romanovs, who could be a powerful symbol for the anti-communist cause. The Euro-Regional Soviet, a section of the Soviet Union, decided on June 29th to execute the family and received tentative approval from Moscow. On July 16th, the captors were ordered to kill the family because the Red Army forces were retreating. I didn't put this in here, but there's also, I forget who, which source I read this in, Um, but there was also a discussion about like how no, there was no country that wanted to help them
2: like because everybody knew yeah like all all the countries
1: knew that like they were being held captive it wasn't a secret yeah that what was going on but he was such a weak leader and right um i mean like it was still like world war one and but nobody wanted to help them
2: i mean it's probably a mixture of things right it's like they can't they're just finishing up or i guess yeah they should be just finishing up world war one yeah in the timeline of things, yeah. and and what they're gonna after bringing the boys home right. after such a horrific and traumatic experience as World War One, they're gonna send them to Russia, right? Like, hey, you're back. Now we're actually sending you you out again to go ca- to go help save right the czar, the czar, and to like
1: poke a bear that's like willing to kidnap their own. Yeah, leader and his family.
2: It's also messy because it's like it is a civil, it is a internal dispute. I think it right. would have been different had like Austria captured the Romanovs. Right, but This right. is truly an internal civil war. You can't get involved, right? Or when you do, it's really messy.
1: Or if it was like civilians, I mean, they there there are children, but it's like yeah,
2: it's not civilians. You know what I, I mean? I also think that what the Rome what the Bolsheviks did to the Romanovs and executing them I think is also unprecedented for the time like at this point we we've done World War 1 where we establish we we've established rules of war and you don't other than maybe Nicholas II you, they probably got, could have gotten away with but you the idea of executing His wife and kids, like, I don't even think that was a thought to Uh, anybody else. They're like, yeah, they have him captive and they're going to do they're going to throw him in jail. Like, I don't think that anybody ever thought that they were going to execute the Romanov family. Yeah. Because that's just like, I mean, they kept him captive for months. Right. And we're going to talk about it. They They lie about it. They
1: lie about oh, it. Of like, course they How do
2: you knew. lie about it? Oh, well, yeah.
1: They lie about it because they knew that people would be mad about that. So, like, totally. Yeah, you, can't, so, you can't kill people. Yeah. You can't kill kids. No, you can't kill kids. Rule of war. You can't kill kids. Right. So, the executions of Tsar Nicholas II, his wife, their five children, and members of their entourage took place during the night of July 16th and the morning of July 17th. To avoid the corpse's discovery, the guards stripped the bodies of clothing and jewels, mutilated them with sulfuric acid, and buried them in the Koptyaki forest. Soviet officials only announced the death of the Tsar to avoid political backlash. They claimed that the family had been moved to a safe place. The ambiguity as to the status of the Tsar's family enabled a series of imposter Romanovs. In 1938, Stalin banned discussion of the Romanov murders. The remains were only found and authenticated decades later.
2: Crazy stuff. But let's end with the man of the hour, shall we? Let's end with Rasputin. So who was Rasputin? Because he has a role to play in this as well. He has a role to play, a very heavy role in, um, in the movie. A very, The greatest villain ever. The written. greatest villain ever in the movie. So let's find out why. Rasputin was born Gregory Yefimovitch Novkia, a Siberian peasant who would later acquire the surname Rasputin because of his sexual promiscuity and heavy drinking.
0: Hell I yeah, mean, go off,
2: king. Yes. Now we're having fun. <laughs> in Russian, Rasputin translates to a debauched one. Some historians believe his religious practice was rooted in immersion in sin. Meaning, he felt he would be closer to God through sinful acts. Hell yeah, my guy. Me too. Me too. I'm over here living in sin. Let's go. Call me Rasputin. Mm Mm-hmm. El Diablo, baby. When he was 18, Rasputin underwent a religious conversion at a monastery and then returned home to where he married and had children. Rasputin ended up leaving family life and made his way through Greece and Jerusalem, where he gained a reputation for his healing, quote, powers Mm -hmm. and an ability to predict the future. This is where the red flag starts. They start coming out. They start coming out.
1: He's living in sin. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And then abandons his family. And now he's just like basically- See in the future. See in the
2: future. He's He's like a healer, healing priest- And it's not good. Not good. His travels took him to St. Petersburg in 1903. And two years later, he was introduced to the royal family. Talk about a mover and a shaker. Mover and a shaker. Working his way up. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Like a simple country boy from Russia being like, give me two years. I'll be with Romanovs.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: Tsar Nicholas and his wife, Alexandra, called upon Rasputin to heal their son, Alexei, who suffered from hemophilia, a disorder where blood is unable to properly clot. So basically, if you get a paper cut, you bleed out. Yeah. It's profound. Yeah. Probably a result from the... Interbreeding! Interbreeding! Yes. Rasputin was supposedly able to stop Alexei's bleeding, and he quickly became a close advisor to the family... Per Alexandra's request. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, Alexandra, don't tell me. Don't tell me you're living in sin. While much is debated about Rasputin's mystic powers, historians speculate that Alexei's bleeding actually stopped because Rasputin had the child stop taking aspirin, a known blood thinner. Yeah. According to Britannica, Rasputin's licentious ways concerned people around the royal family, but Nicholas refused to believe the whispers and removed influential figures from power if they spoke out against Rasputin. So, no wonder nobody wants to help Nicholas. It's like, my guy, this dude is banging your wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Like, don't you see it? Come on. Yeah. As I just alluded to, Rasputin Mm. was uh, rumored to have had an affair with Alexandra, although there is no historical evidence to support this. I'm just saying, you mean to tell me it's dark and winter in Russia, Alexei's asleep in his Mm -hmm. bed, not bleeding, (laughs) this candlelight...
1: Not You're having some
2: wine. You don't. I mean, come on. One thing doesn't lead to another, and you don't fuck Rasputin. I don't understand. Come on, you can see the future. Get in there. Hmm. Tsar Nicholas took control of his military forces in 1915 during World War One, and left the country's affairs to Alexandra, who by this point is like balls deep with Rasputin. Yeah. As Alexandra's advisor, Rasputin had more power than ever and even appointed his own ministers and public officials. This power, plus growing resentment towards Rasputin, inspired a group of Russian nobles to plot his murder. I can't believe nobody tried to kill him before
1: then, to be I honest. But, like, go off. I know. It's, it took a long time.
2: Rasputin was eventually killed by a group of Russian nobles, including Prince Felix Yusupov, Tsar Nicholas's niece's husband, <laughs> and Grand Duke Dmitri Pavlovich, Nicholas's cousin, in December of 1960. So this is one year before the rest of the Romanovs are taken hostage. Yeah, they kill Rasputin. They kill for Rasputin. Basically, overstepping his yeah. boundaries. Yeah. The story goes that the nobles lured Rasputin to the Yosipov palace and fed him food and wine laced with cyanide, mm-hmm. which had no impact on him. Hell yeah, king. Uh-huh. They tried to finish the job by shooting him at close range, but he he remained alive <laughs> and even attempted to escape.
1: I just have to say, this is well depicted in the blockbuster epic film, epic. Anastasia. It is well
2: depicted. Yeah. They really it, tried to kill him more than once. Yeah. Finally, after trying to poison with cyanide, shooting him at point blank range, mm-hmm. they shot him again, yeah. beat him, yeah. bound him and tossed him in a river. <laughs> Only upon being thrown in the river did Rasputin die. Or so the legend says. Yeah. But the autopsy report shows that there was no poison in Rasputin's system Only a single bullet to the head. So legend, in fact... Don't match up. What really happened on that faithful day they tried to kill Rasputin, I like to think that they really couldn't get this guy to die. I mean,
1: that's the version I'm going to choose to believe. That's the version I'm going to
2: choose. That's the. I was
1: going to say Disney version, but it's not a Disney film.
2: This is not a Disney film. It's
1: not a Disney film. And that's why it works. That's why it works. Yeah.
2: But with that said... That is our episode on the Romanovs. Thank you for indulging us. I needed this. We needed this. We needed this. And it's all going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to get married. I'm going to get married. You're going to throw this wedding. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.